Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Marcus Davis from The Breakfast Club coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She's an expert on food, wine, and good times. We follow her on Instagram at SwankyMaven. Felice Sloan, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hey, 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 hey. I am here. It's been a long month. Happy Black History Month again. And, you know, I'm just out here living the life. Yeah, this is our, uh, I mean, this is the closest thing that we come to a themed uh, Black History Month show in the sense that uh, I have you as the co-host. We're going to talk about a Black-owned restaurant in our Restaurants of the Week. And I have arguably the city's most successful Black restaurateur on the show as the guest. Oh, there you go. Next year, we're going to try to get you a little blackity black and have like maybe three weeks, you know? So <laughs> we're we're happy. We'll take the one week. It's progress. And, you know, keep it going, Eric. Keep it going. I, I think my track record of having black chefs, restaurateurs on the show, I, I you know, nobody's perfect. There's always room I think for you perfect. do well, Eric. I, I keep, you know what? I will give you, you do a wonderful job. Um, you, you make sure it's, if it's a relevant chef, it's a relevant restaurant, whatever the topic is, I would say, and not just cause I'm your co-host, because if you didn't, because I'm your co-host, I would dig in that ass, but you know, um, I think you do a good job. So I'm definitely going to give you your flowers. So yes, thank you for your diversity in food. Well, thank you for saying so. And thank you for bringing your opinions to this production with that (laughs) let us dive right into the news of the week topic number one texas monthly has named its best new restaurants for 2022 just like last year they did a list of favorite dishes from restaurants around the state rather than a ranked list so there are nine houston restaurants on the list march gets a longer like a, a couple of paragraphs profile and then a bunch of restaurants make the favorite dishes and drinks list. They are the Gama, Ishim, Winnie's, Chivo's, Duck and Bow, Herbe, Le Jardinet, and Night Shift. And I'm not going to break down all the individual dishes and drinks. That you, can, you can look on Culture Map Run, Texas Monthly for that. But, Felice, let me put it to you. Does that seem to be about the right mix of restaurants for Houston that opened in 2021? And then... Yeah, go from there. I think it's a really good list. I think you get a little bit of something for everyone. Far as they're hitting on price point, um, you know, there's a little bouginess, a little um, late night. Um, I think they did a good job, um, honestly, and it represents Houston well. Um, a couple of these I have still yet to get to, but based on you're you talking about them um, and other people. I, I think they I think they did a good job with this list. And the ones that I have gotten to, I enjoy. No, I, I think it's a pretty solid mix. I, I was sort of pleasantly surprised to see Duck and Bow because it's hasn't really gotten a ton of attention. They they started out in Cyprus. They opened that new location on Memorial, uh, mm-hmm. kind of near Bayou Bend, like just uh uh, just east of the park, and and I went there recently for dinner with a couple of friends, and it was very tasty. I mean, the the duck was really first rate. They've got a fun cocktail list. It's got had a good crowd, good energy. So I I thought that was kind of a pleasant surprise. You know, obviously March the tasty menu, so elegant, so refined. That's got to be on there. Herbe Hugo Ortega, that's got to be on there. Uh, Dagama has been one of my favorites. I know you've been to Winnie's and really liked it. Mm-hmm. You love Night Shift. I know I you're excited about Night Shift. <laughs> I was like, one of your favorites is on here. <laughs> they they put the porn star martini from Night Shift on there. Now, I now obviously for me it would have been the churros, uh, or they do like a a bottled martini that they that's just like super classic and served super cold and is incredibly delicious. So if I were going to pick one drink, that might have been my my night shift pick. But yeah, nice to see that get recognized. 
what about you? Do you, th- do you think anybody got snubbed? Because I, I have a snub, but I thought I'd, I thought I'd start. With do that. you? I was like sitting there thinking like, I, I don't, I don't think anybody, who do you think got snubbed? You know, the, the only one that kind of occurred to me was Tiny Champions. At well. Maybe, maybe a little bit. Nancy's Hustle has been very successful. You know, they opened another, another restaurant that I think is very delicious. I really like their pizzas that, that I've talked about it on this show uh, a few times, but that braised beans dish that they do on the menu with the garlic tomb is just mm-hmm. so like warm and comforting. And it's got all these layers of flavors to it. I, I think that would have been the one tiny champions dish that I thought maybe should have been on there. Uh, no, but other than that, I think this is a good mix. And then, you know, some of the other places that like, you know, it's hard to do like degust because the tasting menu keeps evolving. So you can't really, you can't really pick like one thing from it. Uh, and then I think some of the other stuff, like, you know, we had a great, or Matt Harris and I had that great meal at Gulf Strauman, but you know, I don't think that, that may be. I don't think they're good. ready yet. Yeah. I think they're, they may make it next year, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think that's, you know. Ishim uh, is at Bravery Chef Hall. So, you know, I think that's a nice, you know, that's a, it's a pretty diverse, like you said, it's a pretty diverse mix of price points. Uh, I mean, the only thing I would say is that they're basically all inner loop. Urbe technically like, you know, a 10th of a mile outside the loop. But like you said, Duck and Bow is it's inside, but there I'm pretty sure the location that they went to is the original location, right? Well, no, no. The address listed in the Texas Monthly article is, I, I thought it was the Memorial. Oh, was it? Place, maybe. Okay. Okay. I'd have to go back and look. But yeah, um, other than that, you know, that's going to be what it is. As someone just recently told me, um, anybody outside the loop, you know, when we come in, we're vacationing, we're tourists. So, you know, Texas Monthly may feel the same way. <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, Daily Gather Out in City Center will be eligible for next year's list. Yeah. Certainly one to keep an eye on. And then we'll kind of see, you know, what else what else opens over the course of the year. But but yeah, a, a good job by Texas Monthly. And, and you know, nice to see more Houston restaurants listed than restaurants. I was going to say, we have nine. Yeah, we have nine. Yeah, and nobody yeah, else nine. had, I think uh, Dallas had seven. So Dallas and Austin each had seven. So take that, Dallas and Austin. Correct. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to topic number two. We are uh, in the middle of Eat Drink HTX, a new charity dining event from the organizers of Houston Restaurant Week. The interesting thing about this is the prices are lower. So instead of $20 for lunch or brunch, it's 15 And instead of $35 or $49 for dinner, it's only 20 or $25. Uh, proceeds benefit... The Houston Food Bank and Star of Hope. Uh, now, I will say I, I knew Cleverly Stone, the founder of Houston Restaurant Weeks, pretty well. She had always talked about uh, either a winter or spring event at a lower price point that would yeah. be accessible to less expensive restaurants, restaurants that didn't make sense for HRW. Right. So, so this this event has been sort of long in the conception, and of course, her daughter. Katie Stone Capuccio is is taking the ball and and gotten it off the ground. So Felice, let me throw it to you. I mean, what do you think? Is this is Eat Drink HTX a good companion to Houston Restaurant Weeks? You know, I think it is a good companion, and I'm actually happy to see that she's able to um, Katie is able to honor her mother. You know, continue um, this thing that she has built and kind of um, make make it her own, right? Um, and because HRW's kind of changed in the last couple of years a little bit, and that was to be expected. So I think with this, um, this kind of is a nice companion. It works for um, right now in the, the space that we're in with um, kind of still in this pandemic a lot, but kind of coming out of it, um, there are still a group of um, diners that are just kind of getting back out into the mix of things. So I think this plays very well with HRW um, and the price point. So I am, I'm happy to see it. Yeah, I, I think it works. And one of the things I will say 
it, it kind of reminds me of HRW in the early years where it's like, okay, yeah, we have this thing, eat, drink, HTX people. Like, what does that look like? Is it going to be around? Uh, maybe I'm kind of interested. Um, I'm just going to go pop in and look at menus when I get there. Like, you know, I'm, I'm interested, but I'm not invested yet, if that makes sense. Where HRW, you know, we have this whole conversation. You start looking at your menus early on, where you're going to go, get the calendar out. So I'm interested. I'm not quite invested yet. No, I, I think that's fair. But I, I will say, you know, I was, I've been impressed by sort of the diversity of these restaurants. You know, there's some new stuff on there. You know, Sin Chow, Trash Panda Drinking Club. And, and most of the restaurants or, or several of the places in Railway Heights are mm-hmm. participating, you know, Peaky Grinders, Heads and Tails Seafood, Mikuna Latin Asian Cuisine, Mac and Twist. So, you know, I, I think, again, like if you haven't been to Railway Heights yet, you know, you could now go there and you can have some sense of maybe what the, what the restaurants are offering and know that you'll go there for a, a set price. And I think that's always kind of comforting. So I think that all makes sense to me. I don't know. Did you look over the menus? Did anything really stand out to you? Well, I mean, I looked over, I was interested because I was looking for a restaurant with a patio to kind of share with some folks. So, you know, I have to say like weights and measures on there. I'm like, okay, this is, this is cool. And um, Woodshed um, Smokehouse, places that I've been trying to get to that I hadn't gotten to quite yet. And like I said, once I, once I kind of get there, I'll go with it. But, you know, like Woodshed, I was kind of interested in their menu with the $20 a person. Um, they had some, I think, an interesting offering because those are the things that I want to try. But that's it. That, that's it so far. But I just kind of got into it, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I still have this whole week. I plan on, um, I have two dinners with friends that I, I think we're going to explore um, explore the menus. Yeah, you know, the one that stood out to me was 93 Till, just because I went there a couple of times when it opened, and I haven't mm-hmm. been back. And just everyone I know who goes there just raves about how good the food is right now. So I think that's going to be maybe my Eat Drink HTX spot. And then, you know, I do think I will make my way back to Railway Heights and maybe go to, eh, maybe go to Peaky Grinders and have a burger or something like that. Or, you know, I will say a $25 two-course dinner at Roost in Montrose is a pretty good deal. So well, that is a great deal. That's a great deal. So that's, that's a possibility. All right. Let us move on to topic number three. I talked about Alice's Tall Texan, the dive bar kind of in the heights closed in 2020 it has now reopened under new ownership same guys that own glitter karaoke they've cleaned it up they got it a full liquor license it is now the tall texan 2 uh felice let me just throw it to you would you have had you been to alice's before it closed and and uh, if so do you do you have any fond memories of alice's it was funny you were talking about this the other night and I was like, I never went to Alice's. Like, that was it. I never went to Alice's. So I, you know, I didn't have a feeling about it. We were talking about the other night. I'm like, yeah, I don't, that wasn't one of my dive bars. I have my dive bars. That wasn't one of them. That was not one of mine. So you got to tell me, like, what was the, what was the hype about it? And are you excited about this whole new interior and because, you know, I'm like, when people come in and I think you posed this question um, or you were talking about it, when people come in and buy a dive bar, it's like, it's a dive bar. Are you, are you trying to change it and make it pretty and nice? And have you talked to the people? Because usually the people don't want you to mess with it, you know? So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I, I think it's sort of hard to imagine that the, the regulars who made that place what it was are going to be like super down for a cleaned up version of it. But <laughs> it's also it's also been closed for two years. So they've probably some of them have moved on. I'm sure some of them will trickle back and, you know, make an assessment. I will say the one thing that he that the new owner did that's, that's really important is he found 
they were known for their like chalices, these big uh, beer glasses, and they would pour either Lone Star or Shiner in them. And so he's got Shiner and Lone Star on draft. And he found, he told me uh, four dozen chalices. So that should be enough to keep it going. And so, you know, that, that part I think feels important. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of it, like, I, you know, it was never really my spot. Like I'd go there with friends every now and then, but I don't, I don't think it's going to feel the same. I don't think, I don't think anyone expects that it will, but you know, if it's like an affordable, comfortable place to hang out, I think that's basically all you can ask for it. You know, it's not, it's not going to be the same, but it can still be valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what? I, I look forward to going just because I'm like, people used to talk about it. And I'm like, mm, yeah, let's go to Poison Girl. <laughs> so let's go to, yeah, I'm like, well, let's go where I want to go. So uh, that's what usually happens. But um, I'm excited. I love when someone sees the beauty in something that's closed and, you know, kind of reopen it and it gets another another life. So it'll be interesting to see. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to say that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. Felice, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk to you about a couple of places. Let's start with Juliet. This is the new movie-themed restaurant at Westheimer and Fountain View, right near the Galleria. Uh, we had an interesting meal, I would say, at Juliet. But let, let me just start kind of at the beginning, because it's, it's got this you know, movie theater marquee above the door. You walk in, it's got that movie theater lobby with the popcorn machine and a candy stand. And then inside the dining room are all these uh, pictures from vintage scenes from vintage movies. So let me just let me just ask you, what do you think of the movie theme and and what's your assessment of the execution of it? So um, when we drove up, I thought it was very cute. Um, at first, I was like, mm, I mean, like when I just just hearing about it, like, how will they execute this? How will they pull it off and make it? And will I care? Right. So we drive up. I was like, oh, that's cute. And especially in the space that it's in, you know, it's in a space that traditionally on Westheimer and Fountain View, that it's a lot of cars always there, not a lot of restaurants, like new restaurants move in. So it's a hot, hot little area. And so I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, you see it. Then we walked in. I was like, oh, cute. And um, it just got better. So I thought that they did a, a, a great job of executing their vision and pretty much every door you open to get closer to who, to being seated, it just got, it kept getting better. That, that's what I'll say. Like, oh, wow, wow. Um, so I think they, they nailed it. They nailed it on the execution and I think they're still fine tuning it. So it's just, it's only going to get better. Then it was packed, right? Like it's, pretty new i think we're within the first couple weeks of it and we went during the week on a day that's kind of slow for restaurants not only was it packed people were um they were dressed looking quite lovely and dapper um so i was like yeah i like this i i like everything about the vibe and the scene before we even get to the food i'm like i i i'm feeling this place well, yeah, we went the day after Valentine's Day, which I, I would have expected it to be slow, but it occurs to me that maybe some people pushed their Valentine's Day celebration to the day after, mm-hmm. right? When the restaurant might be slightly less crowded or they couldn't get that, that Valentine's Day reservation. They certainly weren't going to go out on Super Bowl Sunday, so they, so they went the day after. So I think we may have experienced some of that. But but I agree with you that people were really dressed up. I mean, this was definitely like a, a special occasion for for a lot of these couples we saw. And then, you know, and we got to talk about the the rose installation in the bathroom. 
which is just wild to me. That I mean, there was a full-on photo shoot going on. <laughs> a full-on photo shoot. Like, I felt like, I, I mean, do we want to go to the bathroom? Because we, I felt like we were interrupting them. But yes, uh, the bathroom area is when you walk in, the, the shared area, there is a flower wall that is gorgeous. Then they have a selfie, um, and this wasn't even being used, but they have a selfie kind of um, camera thing in the wall for even more. But people weren't using that. They were using the whole wall and just getting down, which it was, I, I, it was funny to me because I'm like, yeah, there's going to be a line of people waiting to get to the bathroom to take pictures, kind of like when you go to MAD, right? When you go to MAD, there's a line and people are like, oh, no, we're not waiting to go to the bathroom. You know, you got to go around those folks. They're waiting to go to those shoes. So that is what they're going to experience with this flower wall that they've created, um, which is, you know, it's a good thing because people will go looking for that. Um, to get into the food and the drinks, I loved the movie theme cocktails. I thought that they were, I think we had two or three. Of course, I had the the $50 cocktail. Um, was that the Godfather? Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, yeah, if, if you have a $50 cocktail, I should be the person to try it. You know, Eric, do you want it? Eric's like, no, I'm probably not. I don't need that. Um, I thought the cocktails were um, executed very well. Um, hopefully they'll add more, right? Like they'll add more and keep um, adding adding some. But I think the ones that they have now work with the menu because it's a smaller menu. Um, I thought the food, um, even though they were out, like I said, they were out of some of the things that I wanted. Um, I was a little disappointed, but you know, whatever. I just got something else on the menu. And yeah, I thought it was good. I had the salmon and um, we had, what do we have for apps? We had, we had the short rib tacos and we had the Brussels sprouts. No, we had the Brussels sprouts as a side. We had the pork belly. Pork belly. Yes. Oh gosh. The pork belly. Huge. It was like you get a huge portion of pork belly and it was, it was, it was done well. I thought it was, it, ta- it was very tasty. Yeah, I mean, I think we we had some kind of highs and lows from a food perspective. I mean, I I and I should say, right? You you said we had a fifty dollar cocktail. We weren't paying for dinner, so we were we were encouraged to order uh, broadly from the menu as their guests. And so usually, I don't think either one of us would ever order a fifty dollar cocktail. But but you know, when someone else is paying for it, you you take the splurge. Um, right. You know, I I think we kind of had highs and lows on the food menu. I, I agree with you. I thought that honey garlic pork belly was really tasty, really nicely cooked. Uh, you know, Korean short rib tacos, I just didn't, I didn't get that Korean flavor from it. You know, where was the gojujang? You know, I, it just, it didn't, it didn't really land for me. I thought your salmon was nicely cooked. I thought, and that Berblanc was, was a good compliment to it. Uh, I thought the Brussels sprouts may have been the best thing we ate. Um, you know, well, I have to say the mac and cheese. So let me talk about the mac and cheese a little bit because neither one of us are mac and cheese people, right? Right. right. And um, but I always taste the mac and cheese so I can have an opinion because I know what good mac and cheese is. And so the the owner's mother, they're using the owner's mother's recipe for the mac and cheese. So they have mac and cheese traditional with truffle um, truffle bacon lobster. So we went with lobster and the traditional, I would have just wanted the traditional mac and cheese. Eric was like, yeah, this tastes, I mean, Eric, I remember you saying, I'm not a mac and cheese person. This this tastes very like homey. And then I'm like, yeah, that's what makes it good. Um, It does taste, it's literally like something you would have from your grandmother, your aunt, your mom would make for you. It has a very comforting um, taste it was it was good it was solid so what I was telling Eric I would want the mac and cheese just traditional I don't need it with the lobster um, it didn't no I don't think the lobster added anything it didn't you know, add anything did, to it right like we went, it to, we went to Mastro's and did lobster mashed potatoes a few weeks ago 
and that the lobster the lobster flavor is just infused throughout every bite of the mashed potatoes. yeah it added yeah but the so, lobster but the lobster mac and cheese i i i don't think it added anything at all and, and right. so i agree with you if you want mac and cheese and you like that kind of home style like one step better than craft you know like i know craft is super comforting for people but it it had that kind of like flavor in my opinion uh you know just get it plain like don't don't tart it up yeah yeah and then and then you know they do wildly like oversized over the top desserts so we finished with an ice cream sundae that was just absolutely enormous it comes out with sparklers it's a whole spectacle i i thought that was a lot of fun and and kind of added to the occasion like the people that there was a table next to us, I think it was like four or five people. They all could have eaten that dessert and been fine. Like that's because I was like, this will feel like four or five people. It's huge. No, absolutely. But it's fun. We, it will be a great date night. Girls get together spot. So I'm happy for them. Yeah. Right. So you'll go back. Yes. And it's black owned. I'll have to add it's black owned. So that makes me happy too. Yeah. No. And it's the same guy who owns. Uh, the Caddyshack daiquiris. So yes. he's done very well with those. He's got about 10 of them. And now he's in the restaurant business. I, I think that's all to the good. And then just quickly, because we're running a little bit long, I want to talk to you about Bandista. This is the new bar at the Four Seasons. They are positioning it as a speakeasy, which this is the kind of thing that, that drives like bar people a little bit nuts. You can make a <laughs> reservation for it on talk. If you can make a reservation for a bar, it's not a speakeasy, but they do have a little bit of fun with the experience in the sense that they take you up through the service elevator and it's, there's like a hidden, the, the entrance is hidden behind a bookcase. So it, it's, it's playful in that sense. And then you open up into a bar with a right. nice little lounge area. So now you have to enter the code. So Eric kind of rushed her real quick. You have to enter the code because if you see the bookcase, it's just like a bookcase. You have to enter the code, literally push the bookcase open. It's like a hidden door to get into the speakeasy. It's behind the wall. That's, That's right. Over the top. Okay. Over the top fun. And then when you walk in, you, you enter the bar. And then I think that bar seats, maybe like eight to 10 people, maybe. And then to the side, there is a, I call it like a kind of a, a lounge area that is connected, but it's, it's a very small, intimate space. And it is player. It is, and it's, it's an experience. It's not for, you know, uh, Topo Chico. You're not going to go there and get a, you know, <laughs> Topo Chico and tonic or anything like that. Like that's downstairs. You're getting that downstairs. This is a full on experience um, with high end cocktails. And they have the prohibition cocktails that we, we did prohibition and um, the 1920s. And then they did the 2020s. So it's kind of a play on prohibition cocktails to current. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I think really, right. You said downstairs, right. Bayou and bottle is the lobby bar and it's larger. It's open. It has a, it has a, a larger selection of spirits and cocktails and wines by the glass and beer. They don't do any of that at Bandista. It's just, they have uh, bottles of wine and then the house cocktails. And then if you look at the house cocktails and you, you aren't, it doesn't, none of them quite seem right. Then you can sort of give them some parameters and they'll make you a cocktail, yes. but that's, but you can't just, you can't just order like a vodka tonic that, that, that doesn't really, that's not what they do. And again, they, they don't have to because they can send you downstairs to, to buy you in bottle if, if that's what you want. But yeah, all of these, I mean, these cocktails are basically priced from like 25 to $40. And so let me just, I, I, I think we, you know, again, we were, we were their guests and we weren't, we weren't paying, but, but to the point of, you know, you got to think about, you go back, right. You and you and another person, I mean, you know, you have two cocktails each. It's, it's going to be probably 150 bucks after the tip. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a big commitment. And so when, when are the times, because, because I really enjoyed it and, and I thought the cocktails were flavorful and Jonathan Jones, who worked at Anvil and was at Mad for a while, is now the bar manager for the hotel. 
And so, you know, his drinks are great. And he's such a, he's an outgoing, he's a very friendly guy and, and kind of a perfect fit for a, for the hotel, I think a great addition to that property, but like, I think it's going to be a tough sell to go back just because that's, I mean, this is like a birthday anniversary type special occasion, at least for me. No, I would go there to pregame, you know, like I, I think you'll be surprised. Like people, that's a great pregame place, you know, for the meat to, you know, get before you go do whatever you're doing before dinner, after dinner, like, cause it's, it's a wonderful view overlooking the city. So, um, yeah, I think like for people, you have friends in town, just kind of how we went at the end of the night, like even, you know, we went to the end at the end of the night and, um, friends met up there. Yeah. It's fun for something like that. I think I would pay for it. Yeah. I would, I I think my friends wouldn't have a problem going there and, you know, we're not going to be there the whole night. That's why I say it's a great pregame place. Or maybe after dinner, if you go to Toro Mm -hmm. Toro you know, after Toro Toro, and, and we saw some people, you know, I, I saw a, a couple of influencers that I recognized in there. I saw a couple of restaurant folks in there that had had dinner at Toro Toro and then went to Bandista for a cocktail afterwards. I think that mm-hmm. makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. All right. Felice, I'm going to say that does it for our restaurants of the week. Thank you very much. Thank you, Eric. And I will be right back with Marcus Davis. I am joined this week by the owner of The Breakfast Club, Reggae Hut and Culture. He is one of Houston's most successful restaurateurs. Marcus Davis, welcome to the show. How are you? Uh, man, after that introduction, I am uh, ecstatic. <laughs> you know, I, I should say I had you on the show a, a few years ago when you got Culture Open right. Uh, right. with Don Burrell. Right, right. But it's been 20 years of the breakfast club and you've never, I've never had you on to talk about that. So that I think is where I want to kind of start the conversation. That's a great place to start. That's a great place to start. So kind of talk about your background and kind of how you, you got to the point where you opened the breakfast club in 1999 or in 2001. Well, it all started in 1971 when I was born to Jerry and Betty Davis. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no, well, it actually did because I was born into uh, a home that had a luxury that I didn't know was a luxury. I thought it was the standard across uh, across every home in the country. Um, and that luxury was a, a father who could really, really, really cook. And um, and when I, I say it really three times, I probably should have said it about four or five times. So he was my introduction to great flavor. Uh, and he was also my introduction into uh, hospitality from the standpoint of my house, because of my father's uh, personality and his cooking skills, uh, my house was a place where we entertained quite a bit. Um, Friday nights, it was nothing to have a bunch of people over. Uh, Sundays, when in between the 87 uh, church services that we attended, uh, we would come home and people would follow us. And uh, the question around the church toward the end of the day was, what did Jerry cook? And folks would leave from uh, the church service to come to the house to to eat my father's food. And so that was my introduction in, in, into food. And uh, from there, he was he was an educator by profession, uh, but his two passions were food and music. He was a great cook and he was a great uh, musician, uh, played uh, piano and, and, and organ. But but that cooking passion led him to to start a catering uh part-time catering business um, that I worked in. That was the first job that I had at eight years old, nine years old, working for my father uh, at his weekend events, banquets, uh, weddings, things of that nature. And so my that that was my introduction into the hospitality uh, business, followed him in, in my father's footsteps. Fast forward, got a job, 15, started working in fast food, worked my way up, did the corporate food thing. And in 1999, started after separating from uh, you know, the, the, the corporate world getting burned and bit by the corporate bug. I decided to uh, come back home and work on a concept 
for the city of Houston. And my definition of entrepreneurship is filling a void in the marketplace that the marketplace is calling for consciously or subconsciously. And I recognize what the marketplace uh, was asking for, was calling for in the city of Houston, which was a great breakfast restaurant. Sound is it, it doesn't sound, you know, today and, you know, 20 years later, that doesn't sound like that big of a deal. But if you think about it, Eric, in, in 1999, you know, breakfast wasn't as, as sexy as it is today. Uh, brunch wasn't ex- as, as sexy as it is today. Today, it, it, is, it is the thing. In the past, it was a thing. Right, right. We could say, you know, 20 years ago, I mean, to go out for breakfast, essentially, your, your two options were like hotels right. and diners. Right. And, and this phenomenon of, I mean, you know, certainly the Breakfast Club has been a pioneer in this, but, you, you know, a, a, a well-trod path now, right? Snooze and Toasted Yolk and, and all these places that really focus on, it's, it's like, it's not just Denny's or IHOP, but like, it's, it's a little smarter. The ingredients are better. Right. Uh, the presentation is better. So yeah, no, you were, you were ahead of the curve. And, and I think you were also ahead of the curve in your location, you know, right on that border of Midtown and Third Ward at a time when, I mean, I don't, I don't even think Ibiza had opened yet, right? Like you're, you're ahead of the curve in Midtown too. We, I, I, I would, I would have to say I, now I'm, I'm from Fifth Ward, but my, my roots in Third and Fourth Ward go to, I grew up going to church in Fourth Ward and grew up going to tech school. I went to Texas Southern in Third Ward. So yes, that, kind of on that border of Third Ward and Fourth Ward. Right. I mean, fourth ward is a few blocks up, but historically it had stretched out a little bit. But nonetheless, uh, yes, we, we were on the uh, the early side and that was intentional. You know, my time in 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 food, I, I had discovered what it means to go to a spot uh, before it becomes the spot to go to a space before it becomes uh, the the space. Uh, you know, I, I I did grand openings where we went to neighborhoods that were that were 2000 homes were projected to have 20,000 homes. And, uh, you know, got set up and waited for the crowds to come. And so um, I, you know, I, I followed some advice of, of, a, of, a, of a guy who knew I was looking to to uh, to uh, kind of expand my wings a little bit. And he said, man, there's some new things happening in that third ward, midtown, downtown area. You need to go check it out. And so I came down here with my two dollars following the you know, I took my, my two dollars following the guys that had two billion and, and, and came down here. Because you remember the rail. Uh, with right. They were building making, the rail. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So downtown was making this this major trans transformation across the country. You know, downtowns across the country were changing. Right. Some faster than others. Um, people moving from the burbs in and and people coming out of college, uh, not necessarily going outside of the loop, but coming staying inside of the loop. So uh, there was a guy named Charles LeBlanc who ran the uh, Midtown Redevelopment Authority. And I went over to his office and knocked on his door, and said, hey, listen, I'm thinking about opening business. Can you give me all the information? And he took me in his office and showed me the map that was on his wall with all of these little red pins and blue pins. And I just said, you know, this is, this is a place that that's something's going to happen. And I wanted to be a part of what was, what was going to happen in Midtown. And so, yeah, that's how we uh, were on the early side of the, the, the Midtown downtown uh, transformation. And, 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 and I appreciate the, the, the compliment because I, you know, I, I tell my staff that, uh, my team, you know, we we were pioneers in the city and not just in the city, I, you know, over the first five, eight, 10 years, the amount of people that came from other 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 cities talking about uh, not having something like this in their city uh, was just overwhelming. And so um, it's 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 uh, it's it's a good thing to know that Houston was a pioneer in this breakfast thing across the country. Right. As the song says, as the song says, I put on for my city. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. And, and, and sort of looking back at the location, it is that kind of crossroads between all these different neighborhoods. Oh, yeah. And, and also, you know, when you come off the spur, right, yeah. you get off at Travis Street and it's right there. So if you work downtown, it's yeah. an easy stop on your way, you know, very easy to, oh, let's meet at the breakfast club for a you know, we'll have our breakfast meeting and then we'll continue on to the office. So let me, let me tell you a little story about that, Eric. I was, I was actually, 
So again, following my father's footsteps, when I when I when I when I left, uh, you know, big corporate food, I started teaching school. I followed in my parents' footsteps, who were both educators, and taught school. But I still had that entrepreneurial bug in me that uh, I believe was going to come out some point, sometime. I just didn't know when, where, and how. Um, but I was dabbling in real estate, and when I was saying I was taking my two dollars and following the big money, I was dabbling in real estate, finding little chunks of. Of, of property that I could, you know, buy and rent out or sell or what, what have you. And I found this ad in the green sheet for this location saying that, you know, it was a, it was a, it used to be a convenience store slash this slash that. And then, and uh, the lady said, well, the convenience store is, is, is down in the little, the little taqueria bakery part that's there, you know, we're trying to, so I drove from work. I got up from my office I was on my lunch break. I got up and I drove down 59, headed north, right? Because I was in Southwest Houston. And as soon as I took the, the spur exit and got off on Travis, bam, aha, I tell the story of how I knew immediately when I saw that building, I was like, this is it. Because it was kind of like, you know, it's one of those quirky things where you're coming around the bend, you're coming around the corner, and all of a sudden this building shows up after you get off of that highway. And I just thought, okay, this, this, this location is phenomenal. And then when you talk about um, you know, it being the entryway to downtown, that was my selling point uh, because, you know, it was an unattractive space. So I had to sell people uh, on this idea that this is a place that people will stop on their way to work at seven o'clock in the morning. Look, real quick, I'm sorry. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is how uh, scientific and archaic I was at the same time. I wanted to get an understanding of how many cars were at that, at that, at that stoplight and not knowing that I could go and get the information um, or where or how I kind of had an idea, but instead I just, I got out on the corner that morning at six o'clock in the morning and I, I would count cars and I counted cars for four hours to determine how many cars. <laughs> <laughs> A homemade traffic study. Uh, yeah. You know, I, you know, it, it, it was before you knew what those little ropes on the ground, you know, were, were for those little black ropes that the cars yeah. roll over. You're like, Oh, that's what those things do. <laughs> this was in 1999 right this was you know this was you know we were still doing dial up internet and getting the busy signal <laughs> and then and then maybe just talk a little bit about how you developed the concept for it because it's not i mean it's not the same menu as a, a denny's or an ihop you're, you're definitely no. You're, no. you're grounded in in a different set of culinary traditions and and but but it does have that kind of you got that kind of Southern, you know, catfish grits thing, but also wings and waffle, which is kind of West Coast. But you, you brought it all together. Right. And that, and that was the whole goal, you know, looking at, at, at the city of Houston. So not only was coming off that, 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 that exit ramp and seeing the building and knowing uh, the, the, the area and knowing the different neighborhoods that it bordered. Oh, by the way, not to mention the, you know, the, the universities that it bordered. I, side note, you know, we sit right dead smack dab in the middle of the University of Houston, uh, Rice, St. Thomas to the, to the west of us, UHD to, to the north of us. And of course, my alma mater, Texas Southern University. I mean, literally, the, you know, if equal distance, west, east, south, north, there's a, there, there, there's a school. There's, and, and, and of course, HGC, which is two blocks from us. And so that, that, that was a big deal for me, wanting to be able to cater uh, to, to, to that audience. But back, back, back to your point, um, I, wa I, I wanted to bring Houston something that was a representation or reflection of Houston, which were, we were a migratory city. We had a lot of folks who were moving to Houston from other places. We got a lot of people that are born and raised here, but we got a whole lot of people that were coming here from other areas. And there were people that I went to college with that were familiar with fish and grits, right? There were people that I went to college with that that, that were from Alabama or Florida or um, or Georgia area, and they were familiar with these with, with, with these dishes. And of course, there were some people who were familiar with dishes from the West Coast. Well, technically, you know, the the, the waffle and, and chicken thing is not a West Coast thing. It's really an East Coast thing that became popular on the West Coast. Forgive me for telling a food professional. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I'm, I'm certainly open to being wrong. I'm, I'm frequently wrong, in fact. But no, but no, I, it was, I had it was that association popularized. with right. It was Roscoe, Roscoe's, right? Is kind of the yeah. seminal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but but on the East Coast, uh, you know, when 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 the jazz 
hit the scene and the musicians were playing, you know, that that that's that's where the, you know, a place called Wales in New York was was known for uh, the dish and for for great jazz music. And um, and then it traveled uh, across the way. And so but none, nonetheless, I wanted to bring those those dishes uh, together, as well as, you know, a few other dishes, the, the pork chops and eggs and, the, you know, the the put a spin on on dishes that I had eaten, that I'd seen, that I had tried. You know, uh, the biscuit and gravy was a spin that I of, of places on a dish that I had tried at other places. And like, ah, we could do this better, differently. The club's Benedict was a dish that I and all of this was catering to carnivores. Right. I, I, I just really wanted to cater to folks who really loved meat. You know, the meaty three omelet, the, the, the club's Benedict with three different types of meat, the biscuit and gravy where it's 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 it's. The sausage is is center stage. It's not just a side thing, right? The the chunks of sausage. So that that that's what bringing it bringing the menu uh, together was about. And and most importantly, remember I told you, uh, you know, entrepreneurship is filling the void in the marketplace that the marketplace is calling for. Uh, in 1999, the whole world agreed uh, at the same time that we would uh, pay four or five dollars for a cup of coffee, and. And we became, you know, coffee connoisseurs and coffee aficionados and coffee snobs even. And the challenge was the 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 uh, the big boys, the Starbucks and then the, the other guys like the Dietrich's coffees and the other uh, uh, independent coffee houses. They you know, nobody really sold breakfast in those coffee houses in 1999, in 2000. And so we, what what my goal was, was to bring those two together, was to bring a quality bean. Uh, a great roasted bean, uh, as well as an array of of, of uh, specialty coffees, with those big those dishes, breakfast dishes that had a southern flair. And I, I, you can tell me, correct me if I'm wrong. I am probably still the only place that you can get fried pork chops and eggs and a caramel macchiato. You know, um, I, I don't know, I, but t- I think that may be true, unless uh, <laughs> unless unless coffee has caught up to like. Kelly's country cooking or something. And I don't know about it. I think you're, I think you're, I think you're safe there. Yeah, safe. no. And, and we pride ourselves on, you know, having a local roaster that, 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 that the roast four or five different uh, blends for us. Uh, the, uh, you know, the beans that, that we carry, we pride ourselves on being able to make you a great espresso latte and all that good stuff and give you some nice buttery grits to which you can choose to add whatever you'd like. <laughs> whether it is whether it is, whether it is the great debate of salt or sugar, I don't know which side of the fence you're on, but you know when I'm neutral here. I mean, I lean savory in most things, yeah. uh, so I I think I would lean salt more to sugar. But but I, this is not you know this is not the breakfast food I grew up with, right? I my I, my you know I grew up with bagels and locks, so you uh, know, I lean salty. Yeah. And I respect that other people grew up with different traditions and, and do it their own thing. Look, I, I have a phrase that I have coined that I am bigritual, right? I, I, go, <laughs> I, I, I go I go both ways. And look, I grew up, my grandmother, when she would make grits, she'd make them a little sweet for me, right? And but, so if I'm eating bacon and eggs, I may take a little sweetness, just a little bit. If I'm eating catfish and grits, then I'm going, I'm going safer. So I, I, can, I can go both ways. It, 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 I, I'm, I, I'm not a grit snob. <laughs> All right. Now we ran into each other a couple months ago. The last time I was eating at the breakfast club and you, you threw something at me that I had not thought about, but, but now I can turn the tables on you. You, you said something to me about how does a restaurant build the word of mouth to have a line out the door every day <laughs> before there was social media. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I really, I was floored by that. Because you're completely right. Like I have no idea how restaurants marketed themselves before Instagram and Twitter. Or, or I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming you had a web page when you opened up, but that was probably about it. So let me just ask you, how'd you do it? Because it's a because to this day, you know, now that I I kind of live in the neighborhood, I drive down Alabama on a regular basis. Every time I drive past the Breakfast Club, you know, unless it's like freezing cold or actively raining. And even then, sometimes there's a line. Yeah. And there aren't very many Houston restaurants that get to have a line like that. You know, there's 
take take it farther, Eric. I, you know, I, and this is just me inquiring and me trying to get. I, I'm constantly trying to remind my team of, you know, don't don't take for granted who we are and what we do and what we've what we've done in the city and in this industry in this town. Um, you know, I, I name name go beyond the city, go into the state, go go. You know, well, right. I see. I I, <laughs> I know. I know, this, I know. I have this personal theory that the one of the big differences between Houston and Austin is that. In Austin, people see a line and they get in it, right? And yeah. and that's that's fueled. Obviously, Franklin Barbecue is the most prominent, right. you know, maybe the most prominent line to wait for food. Uh, certainly in the state, maybe maybe you know one of the top food lines in the country. But but like you used to have to wait in line at Ramen Tatsuya. Now they have a couple locations, so maybe you don't have to as much anymore. A uh, lot barbecue, you know. I've certainly waited in line there. And I've waited in line. Like I went to, I went to New Orleans and waited in line at Willie Mays for fried chicken and, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, there aren't that many restaurants that get to do it. Uh, right. And and in Austin, I think people are more inclined to get in a line and sit, see a line and get in it. And in Houston, there's so many restaurants and we're such a car culture. I think people see a line most of the time and are like, you know what? I'll go to someplace else. Like <laughs> I don't need, I don't need their version of that dish so bad. Right. Like right. I'll go somewhere else. And so you are one of those places that gets to have a line and that people see it. And, and I've seen it stretched all the way down the block. Like it'll go all the way to main street on a, on a really busy day in this nice is true. weather. And I, I, I think that is crazy to me. Like I, I'm not doing it, but I respect that other people <laughs> are willing to it, And it's such a seminal feature of dining at the breakfast club. You're going to have to wait a few minutes. So maybe talk about kind of how you kind of created that culture and and what you do to sort of manage it for people. You know, I I, I got to go back to 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 the foundation. I have the my formula or recipe for success is quality food, quality service, and consistency. You know, give the people uh, you know a great product. Don't come without compromise. Uh, do it through great people, smile on their face and a smile in their heart, uh, and do those two things as often as you can. And how we were able to build our name and reputation was through the, you know, the, the greatest form of advertising, which we've talked about for years, word of mouth. And so um, I just think that, you know, because we were very deliberate and very intentional about, uh, you know, being uh, who we were and, and, and delivering a great experience and doing those things consistently, it, it just started to layer. It started to layer. It started to layer. And, you know, one Saturday turned into another and another Saturday turned into another. And, uh, you know, it, it, that, I, you know, I, I, I can't put it any, any better than that, making sure that, that I surrounded myself with a great team of folks who, who got it, who, you know, who understands, understood what we were about at 3711 Travis, um, who, you know, took it seriously when I said, you know, if you if you come here, we need you to come here to be a part of our team and to add value to to the guests that that walk through our door. Uh, I constantly remind my team that, um, you know, there's an expectation uh, that the people who are waiting in the line have and we're here to fulfill it and to satisfy and to serve. Uh, and and. And the people responded, you know, I, I to so to give you the simple answer is. People have responded. The, the team that I, that I surrounded myself with, uh, the people in the community who got what we do and who we are and what we're about, and they signed up and says, you know what, I want to be a part of the club. Uh, and you, you take that over one or two years, then over four or five years, and then over 10 years. And here we are two decades later, and we're still, uh, you know, knocking out of the, out of the park. We're st- and, and, and look, um, one of the things that I learned years in, in, in working in the restaurant was I remember telling one of my old supervisors about how many new customers we had uh, come through. And he said, yes, that's great. He said, now count the repeat customers and then count the long-term customers. And, you know, I was, I was 22 years old or something like that, but that stuck with me. And so eight years later, when I opened, opened the breakfast club, I, my, my goal was to have people come through uh, and I, you know, I've seen this a ton of times, you know, a couple comes through, they're dating, they get married, they have kids and the kids now come through on their own. Um, and that was, that was, that was a goal from, from, from the get from, from day one. And so I, I and I, I don't, I don't want to 
try to gloss it over or sound corny, but setting intentions and being deliberate on 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 attaining the goals that you specifically put out. Our goal from day one was to be known from the Atlanta to, to the Pacific uh, on the corner of Alabama and Travis. That was not that was not something that that we happened upon. Yes, we we were fortuitous, and yes, there was a, a, a little bit of luck that was associated with it, but it was not it, it was not unintentional. When I drew up the business plan, the goal was to be known in the city of Houston and across the country at the corner of Travis and Alabama. And so I think people should state their goals clearly. I think they should talk about their big dream, however wild it is. I think they should believe wholeheartedly in it. And I believe they should bust their ass to make it happen. And if people see you and they like and they approve, then they'll join in. I think that's all incredibly well said and and very insightful and and much appreciated. I feel but, a butt coming on. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I think it's, it's a good place to sort of shift the conversation. Um, having talked about the breakfast club, I, I also wanted to ask you about culture because oh, yeah. you had the first round of black chef table pop-ups. Yeah. And so I, I was kind of wondering from your perspective, how that went and, and maybe what the future holds for that program. Eric, I'm, I'm excited about how, how, how it went and how it's going. Uh, we've, we, I'm actually, as soon as I step out of here, I've got a, a tasting that I'm, that I'm going to walk over to that's happening in my kitchen over there. Um, uh, I'm, and I, I'm, I'm excited about it. I, you know, it, if you flash back to when we first talked about culture, uh, the, the idea was to bring, uh, a, a place, a blank canvas that, 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 that artists could paint upon. Uh, and we did that and we did that well. Um, we were, we were able to, to successfully, uh, launch culture, uh, put out some great food, uh, get some great, uh, press, some great accolades, give a chef who deserved, uh, an executive chef position that had, 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 had not had that opportunity, uh, to provide that, that, that opportunity for someone that the world needed to see how talented and how gifted she was and how great her food tastes. Um, and, and we did that. And so now I'm on a mission to try and do that, um, for 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 other guests to enjoy and appreciate and more specifically for other chefs uh, to have that opportunity to have that platform to kind of hone their skills to kind of build work on their craft to challenge them to 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 you know dig into your creative toolbox and let's 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 put out something fantastic for the people so I'm excited about about the potential, about the opportunity. We've got some great chefs lined up, some that have names, some that this is that this is going to be their first uh, first first go at it. But we're working with them to make sure that we put out a great product uh, for 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 the community. So I'm excited uh, how it's going. And 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 we I got I got to got to get you to come out. We got to get you to to one of these yeah. things. You let me know which one you're ready no, to come you, out. To. When, when I see the next round of uh, schedule, you know, I'll. I'll pick one and it'll be my pleasure to, to go. I mean, I know Felice went to uh, the one that uh, uh, Reggie Scott did and just came yeah. back raving about yeah. how much fun it was and how great the food was. So, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that, that was, that was, that was, that was, that was a lot of fun. We had a great time. Uh, Chef Reggie put out, a, a, you know, absolutely delicious uh, meal. Uh, and, and so now we've got, we've got a, a number of chefs that are ready to, to, you know, stir the pot. Pun intended, fully intended. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then I want to hit one other topic with you. Uh, I want to do a little bit of big picture with you because, okay, you know, there's been obviously the last couple of years, an incredible surge of interest in black owned restaurants. And I would say like more and more black restaurateurs, like opening concepts and, and whether right. that's, you know, Don Bowie and the success he's had with taste and he's working on a couple of new projects or the, the Turkey leg hut folks and, and all that they've achieved. I mean, what is your kind of sense of the state of black owned restaurants in Houston? And, and maybe, you know, what do you think the next couple of years holds in terms of how that's going to further develop? When you talk about the state today, I, I, I think, I think as much as, as we have seen, I, I think we're just, you know, touching the tail of it, right? Just, uh, we, we haven't even gotten to the thick of it. I think there's a world of opportunity out there. Uh, I think there's some talented people out there. I think there's some creative folks out there. Um, I, think, I, think there I think there has been enough proof in the pudding that, that it's what's, what's possible 
right? Uh, and you know, when you, you you when you see the success of other folks, it encourages you to jump out and 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 try your hand in it. You know the story. I don't know if you know the story of the what is the four or five minute mile uh, that before some, you know no one no one ran it and it was believed impossible. And then all of a sudden, one guy ran it, and within the next five years, five hundred people. I'm making up numbers, but you to get right. the concept. You know, within five years, five hundred people had had broken that record, right? You 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 just you just need to be able to see what's what's possible. And I, I'm I'm grateful that we've been on this corner uh inspiring entrepreneurship for uh the last two decades. And you know all the cats that are in in Houston that that that, that are coming around they they you know they watched us for seven, eight, nine, ten years. And we we've been a source of inspiration in this city. And now they're they are sources of inspiration in this city. So when you ask what the future holds, I say hold on to your horses because um, Houston already is the culinary capital of, of, of the nation. I don't give a damn what anybody else is talking about. I heard somebody whispering some silly stuff about another city. That's that's absurd. But nonetheless, we're already the culinary capital of the nation. Um, but when we when we start talking about black owned restaurants that that will pop up more and more in the future with, you know, you got uh, uh, Rob, who's opening uh, uh, his spot. Oh, Rob, Rob Wright, who's opening his spot. Uh, the, the a restaurant that you mentioned, boy. I mean, that I, I just believe, man, it's 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 about to take off. That's that's about to be a fire blazing through the city of Houston. So hold on to your horses. And I and I, and look, Eric, I believe that 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 the rest of the nation will turn around and and see what's happening in Houston, uh, both in the general culinary scene and yes, in the black owned restaurants. And people will continue to flock to the city for those great uh, uh, concepts. Well, I mean, I think. You know, just even looking in the next year or so, right? I think, you know, if if Dawn does what we all know she's capable of, right, right, at late August, and having achieved all that she did on Top Chef, she has people's attention in a way that maybe no black chef in Houston ever has before, right? And so, you know, you you want to talk about, you know, a, you know, what's the next Houston restaurant that might win a James Beard Award? I mean, that's on the short list because if it's, if it achieves at the level that I think it, it will, then, you know, plus her national profile, sky's the limit. Yeah, the sky is the limit. You said, you said a mouthful. Well, uh, I think that kind of brings me to the end of my questions. Uh, <laughs> is there anything you want to talk about? Because before I let you go, we, we do something silly. We call the lightning round. Five uh -oh. easy questions, five short answers. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Man. <laughs> I got, I, okay. Uh, anything else? You know, yes. I, uh, a big fat thank you, man. I, I, I have to thank the folks, you know, in, in, in Houston and, and around for two decades for supporting us uh, for all this time, for keeping us uh, uh, healthy and strong through the pandemic, through uh, Ike, through Harvey, through uh, the housing crash, through, you know, the gas prices, through, uh, I mean, we we started we started, uh, well, you know, right after Tropical Storm Allison and right after the Enron debacle and uh, two weeks after 9-11, um, you know, that, that those were our early days. And we were able to make it through all the other rough past, patches and people have continued to support us. So I'm eternally grateful. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm overwhelmed. I'm grateful and uh, I'm appreciative. Uh, we were just ranked by I don't know if you saw the, the Yelp uh, piece that came out. Uh, um, um, and that was the voice of the people, um, you know, Yelp is, Yelp is where the people speak and they, 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 they said what they said. And so I, you know, thanks to Houston and, 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 and people like you who, who really do their, their, their best to highlight, uh, folks like myself who are out here busting their butt, trying to make some great grits. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I mean, you know, you earned it. Uh, yeah. I think that's, you know, more than anything, I think that's the message there. Yeah. Thank All you. All right. Well, let me, let me wrap this up on a lighter note. Time to play the right. lightning round. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Five Here easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Marcus Davis, what is your favorite ingredient? Oh, butter. <laughs> what is the first band you ever saw in concert? Prince at the summit. Ooh. Oh, man. It was awesome. 
Yeah, at the summit. Now, now it oh, wasn't I, the compact center. It no, was the summit. No, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Well, Houston sports figure, it's 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 Akeem Olajuwon. Um, favorite sports that that came through Houston. I'm a, I'm a historian, so Muhammad Ali and being in the courthouse, standing up for his civil rights here in the city of Houston. He's my favorite sports figure of all time. Uh, so in, and that that connection he has to Houston, where he took that stance in the courthouse, is is pretty monumental to me. But you know, he, he got it, I, the dream. I mean. Best, the best center of of, of all time. Uh, I mean, respectfully, Kareem and and Bill. Have, you know, the dream was <laughs> the guy, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive through. Oh, Frenchy's chicken. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. All right, <laughs> Frenchy's chicken, man. You that you know that that wing special with the strawberry soda with the with the pepper. <laughs> come on. It was, you know, and then finally, what is the new restaurant you are dying to try? What's on your list? The new restaurant that I am dying to try. Do I have to do one? I got two. You can do two. Okay. Of course, I can't wait to see uh, to to for for dawn in late August to come out. Um, but I I, I I haven't been to Blue Dawn. We made reservation. We'll go another night, and uh, my wife and I we were going to celebrate our anniversary and we ended up on daddy and I mean, on uncle and auntie duty. My, my nieces needed to be picked up from practice and brought home. And so we, we, we did, we didn't make it. So I'm, I'm anxious to make it to blue dawn and, 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 uh, and give it a try. All right. Marcus, give us the, the website and the social media for the breakfast club and anything else you want to mention. Oh yeah. So the, 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 the breakfast club is, is, uh, you know, uh, Instagram is at catfish and grits. Facebook is The Breakfast Club, Club with a K. Uh, and make sure you check out Culture, Black Chef Table. You can go to Culture's uh, Instagram page. You can go to blackcheftable.com. You can go to Black Chef Table on Instagram. But come check out these up, up and coming chefs uh, that are working hard to bring something special to uh, the palates in Houston. Thanks so much. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate it. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.